The views expressed on the following program are designed to amplify those of the speaker and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors. <laughs> and now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. It's fantastic, phenomenal, always fun, usually somewhat fascinating Friday as we head into the weekend, not being afraid, even if the earth gives way or the mountains fall into the seas, because our help is from the Lord. First, there is a great power in where we come from, our heritage. There is a great power in the land that we live in our culture. And then the Lord gives us great power personally so we can choose to follow the past, like our heritage, the land, like the culture, or the Lord. Whatever pleases us, we can choose, but we bear the consequences of those decisions. Next, one of the truths that must be taught and cannot be ignored. God wants everyone saved, but not everyone will be saved. No, God doesn't always get what he wants in the capacity of giving people the chance or the opportunity to choose. He wants us all to be like Jesus, but as you know, many of us do fall short. He wants every family member in our household to be saved, but they won't all be saved. And no, you can't use Acts 16 to try and justify it. And finally, it's time to return to the wisdom of an old friend. We examine a devotion from our brother, Pastor Ray. He dives into the disease of worry and how often we lay out a nice table for it and invite it to live in our lives. Some dinner guests should not be invited in. There is a proper time to shut the door. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. I like that one. Politics, entertainment, and current events, personal revelations, spiritual observations, my life's insanities, and oive, so much more. Hey, we're asking you, what do you think? Now, you can reach out to us. You can email us, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. You can text us at 214-210-8483. Boy, that's easy. 214-210-8483. You can call us at 972-445-0770. That's 972-445-0770. When you do that, Terrific T will answer the phone, and that will be terrific. And so what do we do all of that stuff for? Well, first of all, any topics open for conversation because it's not professional radio. It's just radio. We're kind of a blend between Steve Martin, Sean Hannity, and Focus on the Family. The other part about this is that for you, you have that opportunity to answer Bible trivia. We'll get to that in a second. Answer, uh, ask uh, uh, questions. We actually have somebody on the line. Our good friend Sergio is going to ask a quick question. 
Also, for uh, different things like praise reports, maybe you have a prayer request specifically for something that's going on, or maybe it's a broad prayer request. Eh, That's fine, too. Maybe you just want to share some of the things that are going on in your life. Whatever it is, we want to be there for you as brothers, as sisters, to encourage and strengthen you in the Lord. Before we do our trivia question, we're going to go to our good friend, Sergio. So here we go. This is David. Do I have Sergio on the line? Yes, sir, David. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? Good, good. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you as well. What, so, what? David, I have a quick... Go ahead. I have a quick question, sir. Sure. So, um, so you know, looking at the Bible and putting it in, in, in today's perspective, um, geographically speaking, so there's Egypt, Israel, Nazareth, all of these countries and cities are mentioned. In all of your studies in your life, where was the Garden of Eden? Where, where did Adam and Eve start? I mean, can we, can we put our finger on, it, uh, on the globe? Okay, yeah, that's a great, actually, it's a terrific question. So let me say thank you for that question. There is, there but, is hey, a, David, go ahead. Let me uh, happy, have a happy weekend, have a great weekend, and I'll hang up and listen. You thank got you, it, sir. you got it. Okay, all right. See how, see Sergio is such a nice guy. It's just nice, right? Okay, so let me give this to you. So some people are going to go, no, no. And then some people are going to go, yes, yes. And this is kind of the norm. So, Sergio, I'm going to give you an answer that is my answer, but it is not the only answer. So I just want you to understand that. So we have, from Scripture, a parameter by which we think we know the ballpark. So in, in in saying that, we can say to you, well, it's between, let's see how we do this for Texas. It's between um, uh, Houston and Dallas, maybe a little bit closer over towards the border of, you know, New Mexico. You see what I'm saying? Like you can do that and ballpark it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Here and there is nothing wrong with that. Although here's the thing that people do not recognize and the reason why you can't find it and you will never see it and you will not see it on this side is simple because God drove Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden and he put a guardian angel to protect it and would not allow entrance. Ironically, the only entrance in now is through Jesus Christ, which is why he's called the gate and the door. But the actual physiological ability to seize the Garden of Eden is not within sinful man's grasp as the earth sits now in sin. It has been redeemed, but the lever hasn't been pulled, and God hasn't said, okay, now we're going to do it all. And how you know that's true, just so you can know, is that death still occurs, and one of the curses from a disobedience is death. When death no longer happens and there's a new heavens and a new earth, the location will most likely be known or understood. We can't den- die to defend it, but it's it's a, it's a pretty uh, not difficult concept to review. But what we know for sure is that it is protected now by the angels of God with a flaming sword, this angel with a flaming sword saying, nobody's coming in, nobody's entering it, and nobody can really see it now, not in a sinful world. In the future, that could be very different. In a present tense, you can pinpoint the ballpark, but nobody gets to touch, nobody gets to see. It's protected territory by God. 
Okay, I hope that is helpful to some somebody somewhere. In the meantime, let's go to our trivia question. Hopefully, Sergio, that will help you a little bit. Here is the trivia question in Jesus' parable of the ten virgins. What did the five foolish virgins neglect to do? What did the five—see, there's ten virgins, five that were wise and five that were foolish— Okay, pretty good split, 50-50. Of course, it's a story. What did the five foolish neglect to do? If you think you know the answer, 972-445-0770. That would be the phone number if you want to call in. 214-210-8483. That would be the text. Also, David at hemustincrease.org. That would be the email if you want to reach out. Uh, and do the email, okay? Let me do this real quickly. I know you guys will appreciate this. Uh, we got a lot of text coming in, but I just want to do this quick, quick uh, psalm just to kind of make it, make sure everybody's kind of on the same page. This is Psalm 121, verse 1 through 2. Many of you should know this, and if you don't know this, you should have this underlined in your Bible. I mean, if you do underlining. Some people don't do that. I, I do, That's but I have a lot of them to a little different. Here's what Psalm 121 verse 1 through 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Okay, now that's a great question. And that's not just the question that's being asked in in the psalm or the, the poetic format. That's a question that you and I have to answer every day. Where does my help come from? And then the answer is given. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So the point in this is to understand that the psalmist has the vision. I lift up my eyes. I'm not looking in a mirror. I'm not looking to somebody else. I'm not looking to other people. I'm looking to the Lord. I'm not looking to the little G, which stands for government. I'm looking to the big G, which stands for God. I got my vision. I am focused on where my help is coming from. Where is it coming from? It's coming from the Lord. And in this two verses, watch how much depth. You know the Lord is he's just the brilliance is just beyond the scope. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Okay? So we got the vision. We're focused on where our help comes from. It comes from the Lord. God is so good. He's so reliable. Ready? 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 My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So here's here's what's being said. Here's the whole pull on it. Okay, I lift my eyes up. I got my vision. It's focused on where my help is coming from. I'm lasered to it. It's not another person. It's not myself. It's not a government. It's not anything like that. It's the Lord. Oh, my. He's so good, so powerful, and so able to help he created the universe. Oh, that's where my help's coming from. The dude that created the universe. That's where my help's coming from. I can count on, I can rely on, I can stand firm in the help that comes from the Lord. Isn't that great? Uh, where's my help come from? Love it. It comes from the Lord, the creator of the universe. 
That's a good place to have it come from. Uh, trivia in Jesus' parable of ten virgins. Where did the what did the five foolish uh, girls virgins neglect to do? They did not take extra oil with them. They did not take extra oil with them to keep it going. Okay, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the Christian station here in Texas. Short break, we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. The David Spoon Experience is now run by He Must Increase Ministry. What this means is that we are no longer operating as a regular business, but as a nonprofit ministry that is devoted to increasing the ministry of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Bible believers, the wounded and forgotten believers, and the not yet believers through biblical truths. We are funded by listeners like yourselves and ministry partners that want to provide sponsorships for the show. Your donations are 100% tax deductible. And the great news is, if you donate to our ministry and help us advance the kingdom of God, we won't give you a thing. That's right, you'll get no special prize or gimmick. You won't ever get an anointed Bible or penny in acrylic so that you're never penniless or a guarantee that you'll become rich just because you gave. Your giving will support our unique idea of biblical encouragement. And what you'll receive is a receipt for your giving at the end of the year. It's all about sowing and reaping. Cast your bread upon the water and it will return to you. And if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. But you'll be laying up treasures in heaven. And that's the most excellent place to receive the best return for the longest time on your investment. What happens if you don't give? Nothing except more commercials like this one. Let's spare everyone from more commercials like this one. Go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. And give if you're led to and if you're able to. Let's keep the show going and help increase its time and reach. You must like this show a little bit because, after all, you're hearing this commercial, right? Thank you. Is the David Spoon experience or the president of Focus on the Family? When you got that position, I'm talking the initial moment that you knew you were getting that position. Were you thinking, "What"? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Given my background, I was going, "No, no, no." In fact, I got home, said to my wife Jean, "This is what I've been asked today," and she looked at me and said, "Who would have thunk it?" that summed it up that was that entire day i was just like oh my goodness my wife and i used to pray for the poor guy coming behind dr dobson (laughs) now you were praying for yourself you didn't even know it (laughs) that's exactly right does he have a sense of humor or what that's great stuff excellent material and an excellent interview jim i really appreciate it uh, you did a great job, and I just want to thank you for uh, my whole heart just for all the work that you're doing, for the people that you're blessing, and for this project that you guys have been working on on Irreplaceable. Nice job. Thanks, David. Sometimes hallelujah. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the Christian station here in Texas. Okay, before we get to the trivia question, let me give you a couple of clarifications because I know people are like going, what? 
first and foremost for Sergio's question uh, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. It says, Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. Uh, now let us put forth, put forth his hand. Take he might put forth his hand. Take also the tree of life and eat, eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden with a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So that's how you know that there was that going on. Number two. So you always come back with these things, and we always give you as much definition. In regards to the trivia question on the on the virgins, some people are like, well, wait. No, they had no oil. Well, they had no extra oil, and here's how you know they had no extra oil. Let me just give, read it for you real quickly. It does say they didn't take any oil with them, but it also says this. Uh, in verse 6, at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming to go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. So they had to have something in there for them to go out. Now remember, it is a story, so you don't have to get all... <laughs> you don't want to get too, too bent out of shape over it, but I'm just telling you it is a... you know. That's... People are like, where is that? It's Matthew 25. Okay. Uh, next trivia question. True or false in chapter 6 of John's gospel, it is uh, Jesus is depicted as the water of life. Oh, wait. Before we do that, uh, T, can we get a little bit of a horn going for people? Just a little. Okay. There you go. You haveth been warnedeth. Uh, in chapter 6 of John's Gospel, Jesus is depicted as the water of life. True or false? If you think you know the answer, you can call in 972-445-0770, or you can text in 214-210-8483. So is it true or is it false? That's the question. In chapter 6 of John's Gospel, Jesus is depicted as the water of life. You've been warned. That's all I'm saying is you've been warned. Now, I have a terrible joke. <laughs> uh, while you guys are trying to figure out that trivia question, then we'll get into our next text. Here's a terrible joke. Let's see how bad it is. Get ready. Okay. You ready for this one? You, you ready? Got the bu I know you got the buzzer ready, so here we go. A new monk arrives at a monastery. He is assigned to help the other monks in copying the old texts by hand. He notices, however, that they are copying from copies and not the original books. So the new monk goes to the head monk to ask him about this. He points out that if there was an error in the first copy that error would continue in all the other copies. The head monk says, we've been copying the copies for centuries, but you make a good point, my son. So he goes down into the cellar with one of the copies to check it against the original. Remember, folks, it's a joke. Hours later, nobody has seen him. So one of the monks goes downstairs to look for him. He hears sobbing coming from the back of the cellar and finds the old monk leaning over one of the original books, and he's crying and crying. And so the other monk says, what's wrong? And the monk says, the word is celebrate. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 
<laughs> not celibate. Celebrate. That's not funny. Come on. <laughs> okay. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> the word is celibate. Not celibate. Celebrate. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> she has the buzzer, folks. <laughs> okay. Trivia question. Now, again, you were warned. Right? I mean, I can say that a hundred times. True or false, in chapter 6 of John's Gospel, Jesus is depicted as the water of life. Okay? All right. Uh, if you think you know the answer, 972-445-0770, or you can text in 214-210-8483. I hate to teach what I'm about to teach. I, I, I'm just telling you. I hate to teach it because it's hard. But the, you can't teach just what you want to teach. you got to teach truth. I mean, who doesn't want to say, you know, all the right and, and happy things, right? Who doesn't want to say, you know, here's the lotto numbers? Who doesn't want to do that? But that's not how this goes. Joshua chapter 24, verses 2 and 3. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father, Abraham, from the region beyond. Okay? Now listen. Joshua's talking to the people. He's telling the people that they're distinct. He's telling the people that God has chosen them. He's telling them, especially in Joshua 24, you are a special people. You are blessed by the Lord. And he also tells them, long ago, God took Abraham, whose father was Terah, and Terah worshipped other gods, not Jehovah. And God took Abraham and said to Abraham, come, follow me. And so Joshua's talking about ancestors, and he's talking about your ancestors. He's talking about yours. And Terah is Abraham's dad. And the fact is that he worshipped other gods. But the scripture says in verse 3, but I took your father Abraham from the, from the region beyond. I have chosen you, Abraham. That's what God did. He chose Abraham out of all the people on the earth to establish his covenant, to establish the people of Israel, to establish the 12 tribes, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob the father of the 12 tribes, and people get mad, and I'm sorry that you get mad about this, but just because you are saved, that does not guarantee that every person in your family structure is saved because you are not the savior of your family. I know. I know. People are like, no, no, no. What about Acts 16? Look, that, let's look at Acts 16. Make sure that it's read and understood properly. Acts 16.31, they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. That Acts 16 where people go, well, if you're saved, your whole family's saved, that's a baloney. It's not true. doesn't work that way. 
people are like, well, that Dave, that's very disheartening. No, that's just the word of God. It just doesn't work that way. I'm not trying to be a bearer of bad news. I'm just telling you what the text says. And the text makes it clear that the people in Acts 16, the household was saved because the entire household believed. You may have family members that do not believe. They will not go to heaven. I, I, I know. I know. I've got multitudes of family members who have not only do not believe, but have openly rejected and cursed Jesus Christ. They're not going. Right? You get in through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And you might be saying, that's, that's me. You can't be the other person's faith. It already is a substitutionary system because Jesus' righteousness is placed upon us. You can't do that at a distance or nobody goes to hell. You see what I'm saying? Everybody would get saved if that was the question. That's not how it is. Salvation is open to everybody, but there's not everybody that finds it. Wide is the road to destruction. Many find their way upon it. Narrow is the path to life. The thing that we should do as Bible-believing, boarding-in Christians, according to the scriptures, is we should continually be praying for them to encounter God. You'd be the best witness you can be, but you know, in, in truth, sometimes family witness gets a little tougher. I have a brother who's deeply in the kingdom and a sister who's deeply out. So what do I do? I pray every I have prayed every day for her salvation 43 plus years. I will keep praying until there's nothing left to pray. I will probably not know at the very end what happens to her, but the bottom line is I pray every day for her to get saved. She doesn't get saved cuz she's my sister. She gets saved because she acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. He died on the cross. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again. And by acknowledging, surrendering, yielding, and accepting that testimony, she gets saved. And she gets filled with the Holy Spirit. But by rejecting it, she does not. She does not get in because of me. She only gets in because of Jesus, period, okay? All right, I know, I know it's hard, but that's why you need to be fervently praying, and yes, that applies to parents and children and everything else. All right, trivia question, true or false, in chapter 6 of John's gospel, Jesus is depicted as the water of life. True or false, and the answer is false, Jesus is depicted as the bread of life, not the water of life. That's why we gave the horn, because it was kind of a trick question, not the water. It's the bread. (laughs) Otherwise, it's very soggy, soggy, (laughs) soggy bread because of the water. Uh, That was a bad joke. Didn't go anywhere. All right, folks, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the Christian station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Can't stand the skill, can't stand the shame. Like any person searching for answers, I too have wondered about him. He has a weird sense of humor. If people are seeking wisdom and insight from the great teachers around the world, would they go to David? No, I don't think so. Those big ears really don't help. 
Will people enjoy his perspective on culture, politics, food, sports, and local and national news? I don't know. He's just a client. Tune in to the David Spoon Experience on KAAM. The David Spoon Experience. And that hope that is offered to us is something that's supposed to greatly encourage us. Uh, Jesus brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, through the gospel that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and three days later he rose again. And by faith in the testimony of God, you can live forever. That hope is offered to us. If that hope is offered to you and you have not yet accepted, acknowledged, and surrendered to it, I ask you to do so right this second. I don't even care if you do a fancy prayer. Just say, God, save me in Jesus' name. You will be saved. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross, was buried three days later, he rose again, and you surrender your heart to Jesus Christ, turning from where you were and turning to him, you will find life right now. You might be out there thinking, there's no way it can be that easy. Wrong. But you have to receive it. You have to surrender to it. You have to acknowledge God's testimony and say yes to Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what the world says. Doesn't matter what your friends say. Doesn't matter what any other family member says. It only matters for your decision before God in regards to his testimony relating to Jesus Christ and your sins. And that's the hope that is offered to us. And we can be greatly encouraged by that. And that hope is an anchor to our soul. That anchor makes it so that even if the winds are heavy and the waves are intense, we don't get tossed and lost. That there is some stability. That there is some, there is some strength. And you can't be like these people that have no hope. They have, they're, they're, oh, all there is is this life and there's nothing else. That's why they're trying to sin their brains out because they don't think there's anything else left. But they're going to die and face God. And he's going to ask regarding his, his account that he's given in relationship to Jesus Christ. And they're going to have to answer. And if they have rejected, then they will be as they have placed themselves as people with no hope. But if you're a person that has not made that decision to say yes to Jesus Christ, make that decision right now. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the Christian station here in Texas. Wowzer. Okay. Boy, that was a tricky question, wasn't it? That was a tricky bread of life, water of life. That was sneaky. <laughs> Sometimes uh, it can be a little sneaky. That's right. All right. I was going to do the history in this segment, but I tore it up. <laughs> see, you see what kind of day I'm having? You see what I'm This is just like, okay. Sure. Say what? <laughs> You see, what you guys don't know is so there's a lot of papers like that I have here. And then if I think I finished it, I tear it up so I get it out of the way. And uh, so in between the next segments, I'll go hunting for it. <laughs> but in the meantime, we are going to be doing um, a Greek word. We're just not going to do that yet. Let me do the trivia first. <laughs> I tore up my trivia thing or my history thing. Oh, my goodness. 
All right, here you go. Here is the uh, next uh, trivia question. What reply did Jesus give the quote-unquote trick question poised by the disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians regarding taxes? What was Jesus' reply when he was asked questions about paying taxes? How did he reply to that? If you think you know the answer, okay, you can call in at 972-445-0770, or you can text in 214-210-8483, or you can send an email, david, at hemustincrease.org. Never think, by the way, when I'm texting you, uh, like if you're doing if you're doing trivia and I say, oh, wrong answer, I'm never, like, mad or I'm never, like, judging you. I'm just telling you, no, 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 no. <laughs> I just want Michaela to make sure that she knows I, that I still like her. I don't want her to think, you got that wrong. You got that wrong. Listen, I get trivia wrong every day, just so you can know. And if you think these questions are hard, <laughs> just, ah, wait, wait until we get into the mold. <laughs> you'll really find, you'll find out what a hard trivia question is. You'll be like going, who cares? <laughs> All right, we, uh, somebody's getting ready. I think they're getting ready to answer. I'm not positive, so we're going to give it a little stall here as I give uh, Terrific T that opportunity. I hope you guys are having good plans for the weekend. Just keep me in prayer. Are we about ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? Hi, David. This is Brother Ace. Hey, Brother Ace. How are you, my good brother? Been good. I've been listening. Um, just a lot of people... Uh, Answering questions pretty fast, and uh, I'm just sitting back listening. And you, yeah, my brother over in Ennis says, <laughs> "All right, he's a good guy. He's he's a good guy." All right, all right, here we go. All right, kind of a trick question that they tried to drop on Jesus. The Pharisees, actually, it was the disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians. They were like, "Yeah, what's the deal with taxes, dude? How do you answer?" Uh, give to Rome what is Rome, and I just uh, anyway, I say Rome. I mean, but give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. That is correct, Amanda. <laughs> and what people what people misunderstand is that the 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 coin they showed him that had that had Caesar's picture on it. So it was like, okay, well, give Caesar's what's his. That's great, and you can give God what is God's. And here's the irony behind that: God gives us breath. And life, therefore, our breath and life should go to God. So it's yeah. just like you can have the coins all you want, but the rest of you, right this way. You're looking upwards. Yeah, yeah the, the, flip, the flip side of the coin is we have life for eternity. Amen. <laughs> That's right. You know what? You have just done so well, and I just want to thank you. Uh, I just want to say Samson and I talked today. And I told them, you know, you were the you spearheaded that whole process, and it was a wonderful oh, thing that you did. I know that you won't take any credit for it, but still, it was a great blessing, and we appreciate that. And I want you to know how much we love you. Okay. Well, we appreciate that. I just hope it did him. Uh, I hope it. I know it wasn't much. I mean, it wasn't going to get him much. And uh, you know, whatever his speed is, you know, that's that's what he needs to do. I mean, if you know, if the sum wasn't enough to do. What he needed to do, and I, I don't know that he did, but you know, I mean, he still used it. From sounds like for anything else he needs. So, whatever it is, it is. That's fine. We we just trust Samson that 
you need a car, and I, I know two thousand dollars. I think is what you said. Uh, I know it ain't a lot, but it would buy a car if you find the the right seller. But uh, and tell them the story, you know that if you tell them testify, that would help bring down the price of the car. Yeah, uh, no, no, I got you. How God's involved in this thing. <laughs> Well, you know what? That what's ironic is we talked today, and see, they had they had the his car, his car that's gone, and so they had another car that's just in terrible shape, and it's like use the money to make that car work, so that you have a stable car for you and your kids. I mean, that's like like the most important thing. So that's what's going to end up happening. But he he's so thankful. He didn't even want to take the money. It took him a week just to call us. Uh, I can understand that. I can. I felt that feeling from him before. Uh, yeah. During the week. Thought, I know he doesn't really feel right taking it money, but hey, it's just money. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, I mean, it, it, we're just we're stewards of time and money, and if we can use it to bless them, we're on it. That that's what we want to do, right? Uh, amen. amen, 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 brother, amen. We just uh, we, we pray his blessings of health and wealth in his name, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen, amen. God bless, right. bro. You okay, but talk take, to you later. All right, take care. All right, bye bye. Great job. Always good to hear from you. Sorry, right, get ready. Here we go. This is from our good friend, uh, Pastor Ray. It's not a long one, but it's a good one. You know how he's got those short ones, but they're good? Here, this is one of those. All right, a friend said to me the other day, I asked how she was doing, and the friend said to me, oh, I'm fine, but I'm sure tomorrow we'll take care of that. <laughs> she must have She must have had my background. Uh, my heart went out to her because I knew this woman is beleaguered and burdened by worry and anxiety. Worry is a disease that robs you of your vitality, your enthusiasm for living, and even your health. Medical doctors and psychologists agree that many ailments, aches, pains are caused by something much less tangible, the anxiety of the soul. Ralph Waldo Emerson once spoke of the torments of grief you endured from evils that never arrived. Worry becomes a constant companion, a burden that weighs you down and slows you down. Worry can change your physical countenance. A heavy heart will rob you of your joy and your ability to see beyond the nagging complexities of daily life. That sounds a bit of an exaggeration, you say. Maybe so. But here's the thing. A lot of people think, well, worry, isn't that just a normal human emotion? Well, maybe normal, but it's also a disease. Oh, wait, here he goes. It's also a sin. Worry is an old man with a bended head carrying a load of feathers, which he thinks is lead. Listen to that. Listen to this. Worry is an old man with a bended head carrying a load of feathers, which he thinks is lead. Worry violates the most basic commandments of God and robs us of a, of a close relationship with Him. Worry can turn small matters into heavy, devastating circumstances. Scripture says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. The French translation, Unload your distress upon God. The Philip Modern English translation, you can throw the whole weight of your anxiety on him. That thought begins first with the humble yourself. In humbling ourselves to acknowledge we cannot take care of everything ourselves, 
When worry takes over our thought process, we are reflecting a lack of faith in God's ability to work out the details in our life. This is from C.S. Lewis. Anxiety is not only a pain which we must ask God to uh, remove, but it is also a weakness that we must ask him to pardon, for he told us to take no care for tomorrow. He promised us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He longs to heal us if we'll truly cast our cares, unload our distress, and throw our worries upon him. So in our society today, worry is huge, right? It's a serious problem, and a lot of people have it, and a lot of people uh, fall under its spell, so to speak. Worry has to do with what is coming up. I just want to make sure you understand the differential. You can have done something wrong in the past, but worry has to do with what the implications are for the future. You can have a physical ailment that you're struggling with, but worry has to do with what it will become. Worry has to do with everything beyond this moment because you can't control it. And worry is most often unnecessary. Worry is always unnecessary if you're a Christian. If you're not not a Christian, that's kind of like a roll the dice deal. But if you're a Christian, here's the thing to remember. Very simply, who holds your tomorrow? Do you control what tomorrow brings? Do you know now what happens six hours from now? Are you, do you sure? People say, well, what, what if there's a nuclear attack? Well, you wouldn't know that right now if it's six hours from now, but God would. God holds your tomorrow. People are afraid of what goes, what's coming around the corner. You don't have to be afraid if you recognize God is already there around the corner. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. You don't have to let the heaviness of your lack of control bring you down. You can keep your eyes focused on the Lord and get through with joy in your heart. That's different. All right, folks. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the Christian station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. is the David Spoon experience. Verse 24 in Mark 5, it says Jesus went with them. Sometimes Jesus went there. Sometimes Jesus just spoke the word. Sometimes Jesus went there. It's all. It happens in all different ways. I did read this ridiculous thing from this one person who said, you know, Jesus, you know, healed, you know, every single person uh, in the entire uh, community and didn't charge anybody any money. This was, it was, they were trying to make a political argument. And the fact of the matter is he only healed one guy at the, at the pool of Bethsaida. And that was actually a hospital. <laughs> I was like, what, what, do you guys read this stuff? Is this, did you read this? So this is where you pull back from those kind of things and you go, can we just keep it on track with the truth? It's just easier if you just tell the truth and keep it the way it is and not try and make it fit some kind of narrative. Here's this narrative issued by Scripture itself. Jesus tells Jairus, don't, don't, ignore what these people are saying. 
don't be afraid, take a stand. Now, I want you to, I'm going to read verse 37. You got to catch what Jesus does. Amazing. He did not let anyone follow him in except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw the commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why is all this commotion? Why all this wailing? The child's not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. And he put them all out and took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha Kaum, Talitha Kaum. And that means, little girl, I say unto you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. Remember the woman of the issue of the blood was 12 years of the issue of the blood. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Jesus was still ministering to this little girl, even though she was physically raised from the dead. He wanted to make sure she was taken care of. That's how Jesus is, okay? But what I want you to get is Jesus and the disciples and the parents, so they're all there, right? Because you got the parents there as well, right? And everybody's going, she's dead, she's dead, she's dead. And they're making fun of Jesus. What did Jesus do? Kicked him out. You know, for everybody that thinks that everything Jesus did was pull a flower out of his sleeve uh, like a magician and just smiled and, uh, and gave everybody an air high five, that's not how it went. Okay? They laughed at Jesus, and he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and disciples and went with them. What did he do? He cleared the air. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the Christian station here in Texas. Okay, we got one more trivia question, and then we're going to do history. I asked Eric, should we do history or the Greek word? He said, let's do history. <laughs> I, let people, I let people make choices from the show. Well, we're going to do the the word. We're just going to do it next week. Uh, I do want to say something. Steve, one of our uh, listeners, did send something really good. I really like that. Uh, he said, we are taught to pray for things as though they have already come to pass. That is a belief that by definition would remove worry. That's a great, 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 great saying. Really, really, really powerful. Okay? Okay. All right? It's all right. Here we go. Here's our trivia question. Uh, what, oh, let's see, do I want to do this one? Yep, I'm going to do it because it's in the Word. What was the one exception that Jesus made when he said that anyone who divorces his wife makes her an adulteress? Oh, an adultery question for trivia. Have we lost our minds? What was the one exception that Jesus made when he said that anyone who divorces his wife makes her an adulteress? What was the exception to that that Jesus gave? There is a specific answer. Uh, if you know it, you are welcome to reach out. No reason to be freaking out over it. You can call in 972-445-0770, or you can text in 214-210-8483, or, that's a very funny one by Al, I cannot repeat it, or you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. What's the one exception in regards to uh, adultery when Jesus said there was, there was, what was the one exception he made when he said anyone who divorces his wife uh, makes her an adulteress? Okay, 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 all right. Let's do his history, because I did find it. Okay, that's always good. 
All right. Ready? Go ahead. Let's go. We have somebody calling in. We're going to have them hang on while I do the history. Today, I have to do this. This is very important. I want all of you to be aware of this, just so you can be aware of this. This is not me promoting it, but it is me promoting it. Today is National Filet Mignon Day. (gasps) Right? Right? Filet Mignon. I mean, seriously. Right? I mean, is that like yummy? Right? I mean, all day. Right? I, you know, I did, never liked it when those guys came by to sell the food and the boxes, and they would open up the box and have a whole box of filet mignons. I used to like, go away from me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, today is also Blame Someone Else Day. Oh, I didn't write this, so don't blame me. Get it? See, I didn't write this. Go. I did. Thank you very much. We are live every day except for Mondays. Uh, 1889, the modern coffee pot was patented. The modern stovetop coffee pot was patented on this day in 1889. I just want to say, praise the Lord. <laughs> this is like, it's really, come on, forgiveness is in the blood, but who doesn't know that waking up is in the coffee? I mean, come on, right? Uh, Al Cap had its first uh, debut in Little Abner uh, in the comic strips. Little Abner made its debut in newspapers in 1935. And then the last thing, uh, which now I guess is a big issue, which only 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 now in America as the culture descends into massive insanity could this be a problem. In 1942, the Walt Disney movie Bambi premiered. Okay, Bambi. Okay, I just I have nothing to say. <laughs> Here's what I think about the woke, woke culture. Go back to bed. Uh, <laughs> that's, my, that's my response. Uh, do we have somebody ready to answer the trivia? Okay, here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? Hi, David. It's Deborah. Hi, Deborah. I'm so glad you called. Glad you got the last one. I knew you were going to do it. I just had confidence that you were going to call in and give us this one. <laughs> this is a big one because some people are afraid to talk about it. What's the answer? What's the exception that Jesus made when he said that anybody who divorces his wife makes her an adulteress? What is the exception? Uh, was it if the husband had passed away? Uh, wait, say that again? If the husband had died? No, the exception is, okay, so what's the one thing Jesus would say? You can't divorce this person unless they were maritally what? Maritally, what What would they have to have done in the marriage for you to be able to divorce them? Oh, committed adultery? That is correct! There you go! There you go. I might have asked the question poorly, but that's why I knew I can get you there if we just talked about it for a second. So that's the bottom mm-hmm. line is people don't understand that fornication is sexual intercourse outside of marriage. Adultery is fornica- is, is uh, sexual intercourse inside marriage with a different partner. So that's where people kind of get it all messed up. So right. Th- that, right. Th- th- that, you know, I'm with you. Thank God for coffee pots. <laughs> <laughs> Every every morning, it's true. At night, I drink sleepy tea every night, but every morning, I have I have a cup of coffee. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yes. Especially last night, we were up at one, three, and five, and then Noel went to work at five thirty. So, uh, you know, I just like yeah, no, yeah, give me that coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent job. Thank you so much. You are always fantastic. 
All right. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. God bless. Uh, y'all have a good weekend. Okay. You too. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, let's do our last little teach. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> uh joshua twenty four fifteen. i saw something in this text i had not seen before anytime i see something new i just like get all i'm like uh it's like you win the lotto or something here's what it says and i know you guys know this but i didn't catch this quite the way it, it stated it before joshua twenty four fifteen. but if it doesn't please you to worship the lord choose for yourself today most people know where this is going. The, choose for yourself today the one you will worship. The gods of your father worship beyond the Euphrates River and the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. I used to have this plaque in my kitchen. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord, right? What I didn't catch before was the the forerunner up. Joshua twenty four fifteen. But if it... If it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourself today the one you will worship. Okay, that part I remember. It's this part I missed. The gods of your father worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. It's funny because those are the two definitions or the distinctions that are offered up in regards to if you want to, if you're not going to worship the Lord, you can worship the people that your father worshipped, uh, uh, the other gods your father worshipped that were beyond the Euphrates River, or you can worship them the gods of the people, the land you're living in. The people that your father worshipped, that's heritage. That's the past. That's people people connecting to their past on parents and grandparents and great-great-grandparents and all those relatives who worship false gods. And then Joshua is saying you can connect to your heritage, your past, or you can worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. You can worship in the culture of the day and all the goofiness that all the, it's like worshiping fame and power in America and, and you know, and that kind of influence in America or governmental positions. It's like he's saying you can worship from the past, the false gods from your family line, or you can worship in the land where all these false cultural gods are around Around, or you sh- you could worship the Lord, but you're going to have to choose, period. And the reality is that there are consequences for that choice. Now, there's people that start to bounce up and down and say, well, well, is it you know free will? Is it predestination? It's super easy if you let it be. God knows what's going to happen, so he knows. But you don't know what's going to happen, so you don't know. So from God's perspective, it could be understood as election and predestination. But from the human side, it's free will and choice. And our choices have consequences. So the reality is Joshua lays it out before them. Look, it, you can worship the Lord. You can worship the gods of your fathers. Or you can worship the gods of the land you're living in. As for me and my family, he goes, we're going to worship the Lord. But you choose. You make the choice. But you live with the choices you make. That's like, wow. And you would think, and the people respond, oh, we're going we're gonna to follow the Lord. We're going to follow the Lord. And for a chapter or two, they did. <laughs> and then they go the other direction. Here's the bottom line. Every day that you and I wake up, We need to choose to serve the Lord. We need to choose to worship and to honor and to acknowledge him, okay? If you're an authentic, Bible-believing, born-again Christian, 
you want to please the Lord. If you are a self-centered, narcissistic, only about me universe kind of person, you're just like using Christianity as an add-on. That's not the way to do this. If the Lord lays out his love and gives you the best, Jesus Christ, then he expects from us the best, our heart for him every day. Nothing weird about that. You're either going to serve the gods of the land, the gods of your forefathers, or the Lord God Almighty. But you still have to pick, and you have to go with that. And that's the direction you go, okay? We're going to close it out in prayer. I want everybody to please remember everybody else in regards to praying for the audience. You don't have to know every single issue. God is not deficient in his knowledge, but you can lift up the audience in in corporate context. Next week, I'll share with you what Professor uh, A said. It's very fascinating stuff. It is going to involve you guys and the doctorate. That's all I'm going to say. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you and praise you. We worship you. We acknowledge you. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, help each one of us today and tomorrow and this weekend and for the rest of this year and the rest of our lives to look up, to look in, to look out, and to be people that reflect the image of Jesus Christ. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the Christian station here in Texas, taking a 72 and a half hour break, and we'll come back. More insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. Most of my life it feels like I've been running, running and running and running. The views expressed in the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.